We're talking about love, people, today. I preach a little differently than Pastor John. <laughs> I'm bad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, like, what are some things that we love? You know, I love, you know, Pastor John says, I love, love, love. He's got that thing that he does all the time. I love, love, love. <laughs> He's not here, so you got to tell him I said that. Um, like, you know, different kinds of food, and, and, and I love movies, and, you know, l- shout out some things that you love. <laughs> wow, hold on. Dark chocolate, I heard. No. <laughs> Music. Ice cream. Pizza. Okay, no offensive things. All right. Okay, great. So we have lots of things that we love, right? Okay, good. Point, point made. Um, so, so some things that we love. We, we have our sayings, right, that we, where we talk about love. Like, where's the love, man? Like, you've heard that. Or you've heard somebody say, I love you, man, right? We have movies about love. If, if, if you're a guy and your girlfriend or wife says, we have to see this movie called P.S. I Love You, <laughs> just run. Just turn around. Don't even, just, just run. Wow. <laughs> no man should see that movie. Okay. We have songs about love. Okay, so you get a, this is a game we're going to play, interactive part of the message. You're, you're going to end the, this, the, um, the song, okay? So, I just call to say, I love you. Very nice. Stop in the name of love. Yeah. They get a, I'm not sure the hand signs. I, yeah. Okay, how about this one for you Willie Nelson fans? Have I told you lately? All right. Very nice. Okay. So we got our songs that talk about love. And then we have, we have a great, uh, you know, works of literature, liter- literature. Can I even say it? Like Romeo and Juliet and all these love stories, right? We also have opera. I went, uh, uh, I went to an opera once and I was excited to go. And it's, it, was, uh, it was all in German. <laughs> which is unfortunate. I mean, the music was great, really nice music. And it was two hours long, and there was, uh, like, the, the sub, what are they called? Subtitles, so I could understand what's going on. And I'm not even exaggerating, but there was a point in this opera where there was two people, a, a guy and a girl, just facing each other, singing for a half an hour. And there was no other action, and I was just like... And I, 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 I was enjoying it, but I was like... Somebody pinched me. But, you know, we have great opera that, that talk about love. So there are many things. We even have, um, we even have the internet. We have uh, examples uh, from the media, from TV of what love is. And, and uh, we learn from those things. We learn from our teachers what love is. We learn from our parents what love is, our friends. Um, even on Facebook. I have a friend of mine on Facebook. Facebook is a social networking site for you that, that don't know. And on my phone, I can see people, they, they update their status or they tell you what they're doing throughout the day. So constantly I can know what my friends are doing. I just had coffee. I just took a shower. I got in a car accident. I'm driving. <laughs> you know, just stuff like that. And I have a friend who every single one of her updates, she's probably 20, every single one of her updates is, 
My, I have the greatest boyfriend in the whole entire world. He is so great. What, you know, just, and so I know, you know, I know so much about this girl and her boyfriend, and he's so dreamy and great. And so we learn about love in those ways too. Now, there's different angles in love. You know, we have the, um, we have the family type of love, the love that you have for your family, okay? We have, um, we have intimate love, okay? And you've all seen the commercials, right? You can't, I, I was watching football the other day, and my kids are, you know, there with me, and it's like every commercial I have to say, don't look, because that's one thing that we do with, my ki- with our kids. We just tell them, you know, they're, they're at that age that anything they so, of course, every, every break of commercials, there's a, there's a commercial for these medications. And I'm like, kids, don't look. You know, kids, don't look. And, uh, don't look. So they just know. When I say kids don't look, they know what's going on. Uh, we have our love for our pets. How many of you love your pets too much? Okay, I, am now, I never thought I'd say this. <laughs> Some of you who are married to someone who loved their, you're like, uh. But... I am now one of these. I, I get it now. I understand loving your pets. And so it came to a startling re- uh, reality to me one day when my wife and I are watching, uh, we're watching TV, and she's laying on the couch. She's got her feet on me, and we're watching TV, side by side like that. And my dog is in front of my wife. And I look over with love. <sighs> And I think for us, I was going to say something, but I stopped myself because I had to confess to Nicole. I said, Nicole, I'm telling you this. I was just going to say, you're beautiful, but I was actually going to say it to the dog. So I don't, I didn't want you to turn and me. So it's totally true. She'll tell you, I love my dog. Okay. Now listen, don't get me wrong. There are great examples of love outside of the church. There's people that don't even know God that love better than some Christians that I've met, okay? And that's pretty sad. Sometimes I feel like Christians feel like we're in a love club where we love those people that that we love, but if you're not in the club, we don't love you. So let me ask you this question. Is there a chance that we are getting the wrong message about what love is from, um, you know, the media and from the rest of the world? Is there a chance that maybe we're, the concept of love that we understand is not the right one? Maybe we're getting an incomplete message. Maybe we're not getting the whole message. I imagine that there's been quite an effect of how everybody else outside of, of, you know, God's children understand love that has... um, tainted us or maybe um, confused us, the influence is overwhelming. And I can't help but wonder how our world would be different if we were to look at God's idea of love and apply that into our lives and into our world. So let's look at what the Bible has to say. Um, And before I read the the scripture, uh, it's actually 1 John 4. You don't have to make this correction now. 9 through 11. And so a couple came up to me uh, after the first service and they said, "Um, your verse that you said is not in the Bible. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. Pastor, I, you know, blasphemy. No. So I looked and I'm like, that, yeah, that's not right. What happened here? 
So I realized that what I did was I just had chapter 6 instead of chapter 4. So those two youths are to be commended for actually checking on me. That's good. Check on your pastors. You don't want them teaching you untrue stuff. But it's in here. Okay, it's chapter 4. So this is, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, okay? We're w- wanting to know what love is. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, a part of love is loving one another, okay? So, our relationships with people and friends, okay? So, we all have relationships. We have friends. We have neighbors. We have coworkers. We have, maybe some of you are married. Maybe some of you have your parents that are still with you. Maybe some of you, um, whatever, okay? We all have relationships. Um, now, I'm going to talk about marriage for a little bit. Um, yeah, some of you are like, oh, marriage? Gross. Okay, any of you have children that, um, that are still young enough that when, you know, my wife and I will be in the kitchen cooking or something and we'll give each other a kiss or they'll catch us and they'll be like, oh, gross, you know? And so I have kids that are still that age. Um, and then whenever I see, like, people kissing on TV, I go, ew, that's disgusting, right, boys? And I look at them to see what their reactions are. I can't get away with that with my daughter anymore because she's 11. So I'm like, that's gross, right, Lexi? She's like, ah, man. She doesn't believe the boys still have cooties, which is unfortunate. Um, so, so you've all been to a wedding, right? Everybody been to a wedding, a wedding, correct? Okay, I've officiated a few weddings, but my first wedding was just, oh, it was so magical. And uh, really what happened was, it was basically the Beverly Hillbillies had a wedding and they invited me to do the officiating. And so it was like on a farm, basically, mud everywhere, dogs, hounds, you know, all over the place. We're in somebody's unfinished, like, great room, you know, this really large room. Everybody's got mud on them. I have a nice suit with mud all over me. And so at one point, it was so muddy. And I lived in upstate New York at that point. And so like eight months of the year is wet and gross. <laughs> so I'm not a spokesman for upstate. Um, but that, that was my perception. Just always wet, snowy, cold, gross. Okay, so anyways, back to the wedding. Sorry. <laughs> I have some issues with snow. So I'm at this wedding, and it was so muddy that they had to actually pile people into back of trucks and and drive them the quarter mile to the house and like back up beep beep and let us out so we wouldn't get like mud to here okay so you get the idea lots of mud dirty gross okay so there we are in the great room and I'm excited I'm nervous a little bit because this is the first wedding that I'm gonna you know officiate and I'm excited and you know I'm like I don't want to mess up and and I'm just like oh everything has to be perfect you know and quickly things are just unraveling and there's, you know, the dog's in the house running around. And, and so I get ready to, to, you know, to begin and, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, well, you know, all that the and thou stuff. And so I said, let's bow our heads for prayer. And Nicole's videoing this the whole time. Let's bow our heads for prayer. So everybody bows their head and all of a sudden there is an animal, a dog that, that is here. 
that is in this region. <laughs> and, and if anything's going to throw you off for a prayer, it is that that's happening. And I, I was sweating, and I was thinking, oh, what am I supposed to do here? The Beverly Hillbillies wedding. And so, you know, I got through it, which seemed like an eternity later, but I actually composed myself, and we did the wedding, and it was really cool. Um, and and uh, it wasn't a lo- anything like the, the, the maybe some of you that, are, that, that maybe dreamed about your wedding day, what your wedding day is going to be like. It's going to be this magical, and, and, and I'm going to, you know, some of you have picked out your wedding dresses and, and what you're going to wear and, and the music and the song that you're going to walk down to, who's going to walk you down. And, you know, we, we build all that up, and then there's after that, after the wedding, there's stuff, there's life that's going to happen, okay? Once the wedding is over and the honeymoon is over, and in, in, even in relationships, in our relationships, we have friends that we make. There's a honeymoon period where you just, everything's great in this honeymoon period, and everything's nice, and you get along, and, and all that. And then you realize that you have to wake up to this person the rest of your life, Okay? Some of you are like, yeah, you have to wake up to the same person for the rest of your life. And you have to share the bathroom with them, which is, you know, not so pretty. Marriage, marriage, <laughs> some of you have seen the movie. Um, marriage is hard. You know, <laughs> some of you out there are like, yeah, marriage is one of the hardest things that you will ever do is be married. Okay, if, if you're thinking about getting married, I would love to chat with you a little bit about just reality check kind of thing, okay? Because I think we need somebody in our lives to, to just kind of say, hey, you know, I'm so excited about that you're excited, but let's talk about this kind of stuff. So that's, what, that's why I encourage people to get marriage counseling, okay? To, so that we can at least, you know, kind of open up that, your view a little bit of what, you know, the narrow view that you have of, what marriage is going to be, just open it up and say, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? Have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? Have you thought of this? And, and you know, and it's, it's overwhelming when I talk to some people. They, they've never thought of any of this stuff. And so marriage is very hard. And some of you might know that the latest polls show that, um, that there are just as many divorces in the Christian, in the church, as there are outside the church. Now, why is that? That's my question. Now, in a, in a wedding, I say this, marriage is not to be entered into lightly. In other words, this is serious business here. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands, um, but maybe some of you had this thought, you know, before, like, those of you that are married, I'm sorry, uh, and you thought, well, you know, we're never, we're never going to have a fight or an argument. It's always going to be just, <sighs> I know, I know for Nicole and I, you know, it's still like, Oh, honey, I love you. Um, and that's me it's telling Nicole. Oh, I love you. I'm Twitter-pated. Um, but something happens, something happens when we get married. Okay, those of you that aren't married or aren't ready to get married or don't want to get married or we're married, just practical stuff that's just general kind of love stuff that we're going to get to, so don't get scared, okay? Um, 
Something happens in marriage and for the rest of us in our relationships. After this honeymoon period, um, sooner or later, this is going to happen. Um, you know, and this, this is especially in a marriage. This will happen. What do you mean your mother's going to live with us? <laughs> what? I, no. You know, or I know you said you had some debt, but $50,000 worth? When were you going to, hello? Um, what do you mean you're going on a man hunt in the, in the woods and you're going to hunt for bear for a week with your friends and smoke cigars? What? Um, honey, you have 10 purses. Why do you need another purse that's $300? I don't get it, you know, or shoes or whatever. Some of you are, you know, like that. Um, what, what happens in eventually in our relationships is we stop being other-minded. That's what I want to talk to you about really quick is being other-minded. What does it mean to be other-minded? Well, other-minded is a lot like in your, when you have new friendships with people. You overlook some of this stuff. You know, in your new friendships, in your new relationships, um, you overlook some of the stuff that after a few years, you just can't stand anymore. Those little things, those little thingies, right? Um, It's called being other-minded. We think about the other person. Um, What would they like to do? You know, Nicole is like, Carlos, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Oh, whatever you want to do. No, but I want to, you want to, you know. Okay, you get the idea. There's a lot of that going on. But then eventually what happens is we stop thinking about the concerns and the thoughts and what the other person would want, and we start to think about what we want. Hey, I want, and and what about me? And, And that happens in marriage. It happens in our friendships. It happens in our relationships with others. So we need to, we need to, um, we need to be other-minded, okay? Um, in 1 Corinthians, we see a great example of what love can be, what love is. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, I'm going to read this, um, and I'm going to read it in the NIV for us, and then I'm going to go through it in the um, actual, in the message. It's a little more modern language. So here you go. All right, so now listen to this, and just... Think about this as this is, this, is what, this is God's idea of love for us. Okay, we have our own ideas, but what if, what if we actually did this, okay? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not, does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Okay. Hmm. Now listen what the message has to say. Let's, let's break it down a little bit, okay? Love never gives up. Now, I know Pastor John a few weeks ago, or not a few weeks ago, but like a month ago, talked about divorce, okay? And it was just a great message really some good stuff about divorce. And I know that sometimes it's just unavoidable, okay? And it, sometimes it happens. But he showed clearly what the Bible says are proper reasons, okay? Um, but, you know, love never gives up. What does that mean? Never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. There's that being other-minded. Caring for more of what the other person would want than what you want. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have, you know. 
being covetous or covetous and saying, wow, I wish I had that. I wish we were more like that. Or, or you know, I wish I had that thing. Um, love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head, proud. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Man, they, you know, if they do that one more time, you know, they're not going to be my friend anymore. Or if they, you know, I'm going to give them one more chance. And then three strikes. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. You know, like, oh, that's good. They deserve that. Good, good. I, you know, I'm glad that happened to them. That'll, that'll teach them. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love puts up with anything. Anything? Anything. Love trusts God always. Love always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will, be, will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we will say about God is always incomplete. But when completeness arrives, our incompleteness will be canceled. Now, so we, we're talking about in love in relationships, okay? We're talking about love in marriage. We're talking about love in friendship. We're talking about love. And I want to just kind of open this up a little bit and take it outside of what we know as um, where we are now, the church, okay? There is a world that we are in contact with in our inner circles, you know, the people that we play hockey with, the people that we um, play sports with or work with, the people that we interact with on the job, the people that we live in, in our neighborhoods, in the development where we live at, in the apartment complex where we live. We have people um, that are in our lives, relatives, friends, that I'm trying to, I want to say the right words here. That do not love the church or have a really bad taste in their mouth about the church. And you know what? Some of them have great reason to because the church has done a terrible job of expressing love to the world around them. And some of you might, you know, might, that might get you mad. That's fine. Let's, you know, I'd love to talk to you about it. Not today, but I wonder if the church really grabbed onto this, if we as individuals, first of all, grabbed onto this idea of real, real love, loving this way, I wonder what our world would look like. I wonder what, you know, if we grabbed onto this concept with everything that we had and really asked God to help us to, to accomplish it, to accomplish real love, I wonder I wonder if we wouldn't change the world. I, I imagine God looking down at us with love, obviously his love for us, and saying, oh, I wish you guys would get it. You know, can't you see the hurting people around you that you just, just don't have time for or can't bear to look at because they're not like you or they don't measure up to you know what you deem acceptable because they don't dress like you 
because they, because they, are, um, they choose to have outward expressions of themselves that are different than you because they're not as conservative as you or because they are different, uh, different nationality than you or because they, they, um, they listen to different music than you. And that's just disco. That's a whole, that's a whole, no, uh, you know, I, I wonder if God is just heartbroken that we do that, that, that we've done that. We've kind of secluded ourselves and said, if you, if we accept you, then you can come into the church. And God would say, for God so loved the world that whoever, that's, you know, that whoever believes in him. And so I think what would happen in our, in our families, first of all, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in Garden Grove, or whatever city we lived in, in our state, in our if we really loved other people. When Jesus walked the earth, he made friends with sinners. He was around the people that the holy people of that day, the church of that day said, you're not even supposed to, we're not even supposed to look at those people. You know, how dare we, you know, they, they can't even come into our house. We have to clean our house after they've been there because they're so filthy. And, and we have people like that in our world today that the church says, we can't love them. We're not supposed to love them. They're too far from God's. Is there anybody that's beyond God's grasp? I don't, believe, I don't believe that's true. But the, the church, the church acts like it. They may not say it. Oh, we love everybody. But I dare you to put the church in the face of someone who challenges their thinking. And I wonder if love is the feeling that we have with them. Someone who lives differently. Okay, that's a whole, that's a whole other sermon. But the point I want to make is this. What if we dared to love the world the way God loves the world? What would, could you imagine what would happen? We would do crazy things. We would do things like, like Danny shared this, mor- this morning. She just said, you know what? These people need, I want to love these people. And, I want, and, I, and, and that caused her to have this great idea to have this concert. And, and now she's doing that. She's being the church. She's being She's being Christ-like in her life. Some of you, God's speaking to you now, and God has been speaking to you, and he's saying, I want you to be a better expression of my love to the, to the world around you, okay? And so hopefully we're listening, and we're, you know, we're, we're going to respond to God this morning. I expect, um, I expect us to respond to God this morning. When we come to church and we have church together, I expect... I come with an expectation that God's going to speak to me. And I hope that's your expectation too. And I hope that we're listening in that way. Um, Our friends that hate the church, we all have friends that hate the church. You know what? Let's love them and let's be the church to them. Does that make sense? Is that like something that we should do? And then when they see us really you know, they see us different and they see us act like the church, act like Christ, be more Christ-like, then they might, you know, they might want to check out our church. But until then, you know, really, 
we're, I think we're, we're going to fail. I want to share uh, one last story. Um, and then I want us to, to respond to God. I sat Eric, this is, this is Nancy speaking. I sat Eric in a high chair. Suddenly, Eric squealed with glee and, and said, Hi there. He pounded his baby, his fat baby hands on the high chair tray. His eyes were wide with excitement, and his mouth bared a toothless grin. I looked around and I saw the source of his merriment. It was a man with a tattered rag of a coat, dirty, greasy, and worn. His pants were baggy with a zipper at half mast, and his toes were poking out of his shoes. His shirt was dirty, and his hair was uncombed and unwashed. His whiskers were too short to be called a beard. We were too far from him to smell him, but I was sure that he smelled. His hands waved, Hi there, big boy. Hey, baby. I see you, the man said to Eric. My husband and I exchanged looks. What do we do? Eric continued to laugh and answer, Hi, hi there. Everyone in the restaurant noticed and looked at us and then at the man. This man was creating a nuisance with my beautiful baby. Our meal came and the man began shouting from across the room, Do you know patty cake? Do you know peekaboo? Hey, look, he knows peekaboo, everybody. But nobody thought the old man was cute. He was obviously drunk. My husband and I were embarrassed. We ate in silence, all except for Eric, who was running through his repertoire uh, for the admiring Skid Row bum, who in turn reciprocated with his cute comments. Well, we finally got through the meal and we headed for the door. My husband went to pay the man to pay the check and, and told me to meet him in the parking lot. The old man sat poised between me and the door. Lord, just let me get out of here before he says something to me, I prayed. And as I drew closer to the man, I turned my back, trying to sidestep him and avoid any air that he might be breathing. As I did, Eric leaned over my arm, reached with both arms in a baby-pick-me-up position. Before I could stop him, Eric had propelled himself from my arms to the man's arms. Suddenly, a very old, smelly man and a very young baby consummated their love. Eric, in an act of total trust, love, and submission, laid his tiny head upon the man's ragged shoulder. The man's eyes closed, and I saw a tear beneath his lashes. He ate his aged hands full of grime and pain and hard labor, gently, so gently, cradled my son and stroked his back. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man rocked and cradled Eric in his arms for a moment, and then his eyes opened and set squarely on mine. He said to me in a firm voice, You take care of this baby. And somehow I managed, I will, from a throat that contained a stone. He pried Eric from his chest, unwillingly, longingly, as though he were in pain. And I received my baby, and the man said, God bless you, ma'am. What a great gift you've given to me. I said nothing more and uttered a, a, a thank you. With Eric in my arms, I ran for the car. My husband was wondering why I was crying, and I was holding Eric so tightly, and, what, and I was saying, my God, my God, forgive me. I had just witnessed Christ's love shown through the innocence of a tiny child who saw no sin, who made no judgment, 
A child who saw a soul and a mother who saw a suit of clothes. I was a Christian who was blind, holding a child who was not. 